Guys, for me, one of the best, worst things about the quarantine, dessert. Pre-quarantine, I only ate dessert on the weekends. I tried to be disciplined, only eat sugar on the weekend, and I would go crazy on the weekend. But during the week, I wouldn't eat dessert. But you guys have been bringing dessert. Somebody brought a pie. Somebody brought a cake. Somebody brought an ice cream sundae kit. And I wasn't going to let those go to waste, so I ate all of that. Last week, my daughter brought us a big tray of apple crisp, and my wife doesn't like apple crisp, so I ate all the apple crisp. And then this week, my wife made a modified version of my grandma. Her name is Fitzy. Don't judge me. She made a modified version of Fitzy's world-famous carrot cake, but this one had candied ginger in the icing. So I ate all of that. And I've eaten way too much dessert during this time. And for me, dessert is really good. But if you take one S away from dessert, what do you got? You got desert. And desert is not as good as dessert. Um, we live in a desert as artisans. And so maybe we've forgotten or just overlooked the fact that for most of our history, human beings have avoided the desert. We certainly didn't try to live in them. Only about the last 150 or 200 years has technology made it possible for us to live in a desert. Um, people don't live in deserts because they're difficult. It's harsh. I follow a guy named David Goggins, who's a former Navy SEAL, and he runs ultra marathons. And he says his favorite place to run is the desert. Here's why. The desert don't play. <laughs> the desert is no joke. And he's exactly right. A desert is a place that's dry and desolate and depressing and desperate. And deserts don't offer much in the way of hope. And deserts can be physical, and deserts can be metaphorical. And some of you, you are in brand new deserts because of this quarantine. Some of you are in homeschool deserts right now. Homeschooling your kid or your kids has become really difficult, and you are so grateful for your teacher right now, I bet. Um, but it can be a, a harsh thing to have all your kids at home all day long, feed them, care for them, and teach them might be a desert for you. Maybe some of you are in a cooking desert. I've talked to several people who said, we used to eat out all the time. I never cooked, and now I have to cook every meal. That might be a hard thing for you. It might be a new desert. Maybe you're in a marriage desert. Maybe your marriage has been dry and desolate and depressing. Maybe long before this quarantine, all this quarantine has done is amplify it and made it worse. At some point, if oil doesn't change, we may all figure out what it feels like to be in a financial desert. Uh, maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you don't know if you're going to have a job next week. Certainly a, a financial desert is a very painful, harsh, desolate place that doesn't offer much hope. There will always be seasons your whole life where you are forced at times to live in a desert, metaphorically. And in a very real way, our whole world is experiencing a desert season where it's desolate and it's depressing and it's scary and there's not much hope. Deserts provoke some pretty powerful emotions. Emotions like fear and anger, anxiety, depression, despair. But for me personally, the most difficult thing about living in a desert is the sense of uncertainty that we're experiencing. Just everything is changing See, predictability brings comfort. Predictability brings security. And these are not 
predictable days. In fact, things change sometimes every hour. And all that predictability is gone, which means all that comfort is gone and that security is gone. And we're stuck with this uncertain time. And uncertainty is a powerful reminder that control is an illusion. And uncertainty is at the root of all those powerful emotions of fear and anger and depression and anxiety. They, they are really grown in the soil of uncertainty. Another problem with deserts is we don't get to choose our deserts. The desert chooses us. Why would we choose to live in a financial desert? Why would we choose to live in a marriage desert? Why would we intentionally choose to spend a season in a place in a time where things are desperate and dry and desolate and depressing and fearful. Why would we do that? Why would we intentionally choose them? We don't. We don't intentionally choose to go live in these metaphorical deserts. If if we were given the choice, we would never spend time there. We would never move our lives into a desert season. Our deserts choose us, and we are certainly being forced to live in this desert today. And the problem with, with deserts is that they are more painful than we expect, and they last longer than we want. Deserts are a harsh, harsh place. But there's good news. There's always good news. The good news is that there is hope in every desert. It doesn't matter what your desert is today. Maybe it's a COVID desert, a marriage desert, a homeschool desert, financial desert. Wherever you find yourself today or wherever you find yourself in the future, there is hope in every desert. Now the people of God, they are no strangers to living in the desert. The people of God were forced to live for 40 years in a desert. You can find this historical account in the second book of the Bible. It's called Exodus, but you really have to go back about 400 years to get the whole context. For 400 years before Exodus, the people of God were living as slaves in the land of Egypt. For 400 years, generation after generation after generation, the Hebrew people were forced to live as slaves. And by all historical accounts, their lives were very difficult and they were treated very, very harshly. At the end of those 400 years, uh, a baby is named Moses and he's placed in a basket and he's floated down the Nile River. And the daughter of the Pharaoh finds him, adopts him, and raises him in the home of the Pharaoh. That boy grows up. He's a Hebrew boy, but he's raised as an Egyptian. As an adult, one day he sees an Egyptian just beating a Hebrew slave almost to death. And something inside of Moses breaks and he kills that Egyptian. And he buries him in the sand. And then he runs for his life because he's afraid. And guess where he goes? Guess where Moses goes? He goes to the desert. And he hides there for 40 years. At the end of that 40 years, God speaks to Moses and God convinces Moses, you have to go back to Egypt and you have to convince the Pharaoh to let the Hebrew people go and enter the promised land. So Moses obeys reluctantly and he has a long drawn out conversation with Pharaoh and it takes a lot of convincing from God. But Pharaoh eventually decides the Hebrew people have to leave. So they do. He allows them to leave. And as they're leaving, the Egyptians give them all of their livestock and all of their valuables. And so the people of God leave Egypt, leave 400 years of slavery, and they are marching towards the promised land with all the wealth and all the things that belong to the Egyptians. Not long after they left, the Pharaoh, he regrets his decision. And so he calls up his army commander and he says, let's go after those Hebrews. We have to go get them and bring them back. We need those slaves to support our country. So we're going to go get them. 
Now, the timing of that decision was terrible for the people of God because they had made it all the way to the shoreline of a great body of water, and they're camped out on the shore, so they can't go that way. And coming up behind them on the trail they just walked, here comes Pharaoh and his army, and the people of God are trapped. They have nowhere to go. They're boxed in, and it looks hopeless. And here's what the scripture says. As Pharaoh approached the people of God, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? And wilderness can always be translated as desert. And I'll show you a picture of the wilderness in just a second. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the desert. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just be still. And they did. And God showed up. And it was an amazing victory. God showed up and the entire Egyptian army destroyed. Great victory. Amazing victory that the people of God celebrated. But not long after the victory, the people of God began to feel the desert. They were forced to live in the desert for 40 years years. And have you ever felt the desert? Like you've just opened your car door in a desert and the, it's, it's oppressive, the heat that overtakes you. The, the people of God began to feel the desert. This is the desert that we're talking about. That's the desert where the, the Hebrew people had to wander and live for 40 years. There is not much hope there. There is not much to eat there. There is certainly not much to drink there. This is a dry, desolate, depressing place. Scripture tells us that there, in that desert, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Now, let's push time out because this is an interesting response and they, they are doing what we tend to do. Their today is very uncomfortable, so they're re- romanticizing their yesterday. They didn't have it so good as slaves for 400 years in Egypt. They weren't living the life and they weren't living the dream. It wasn't all rainbows and and polka dots and gummy bears. It was hard. But they're, they're so uncomfortable in the moment that they're romanticizing yesterday. And it's like God is trying to teach them, you know, yesterday's over and this is the new new and you need to figure this out. Fun time out. But now you have brought us into this wilderness or desert to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm about to rain down food on these people. It's like God has said, okay, I've had enough of all the grumbling. I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. And each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. And they did. And God showed up. And he fed them every day with food from heaven. This is, 
something unprecedented that people had never seen this happen before. They had a need. God showed up and met it in ways they were never expecting. But tormented by their thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us and trying to kill our children, trying to kill our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, and I love what he prayed. What should I do with these people? (laughs) They are ready to stone me. They're about to kill me. What do I do? And the Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people and take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. And so Moses did. And God showed up and provided unlimited water for them in the desert. It's like God was trying to teach them that every time his people needed him, he would show up. Every time God's people needed him, God showed up. He was trying to teach them that deliverance from the desert comes through dependence on God. Deliverance comes through dependence. You see, for 400 years, they had to depend on their own hard work to survive. They had to depend on their masters to provide for them. They had to depend on a government to protect them. And now God is trying to teach them a whole new lesson. He's trying to teach them yesterday is over and you can't depend on yourself and you can't depend on someone else. You must learn to depend on God. God was trying to teach them that if they were going to be delivered, it would be because they learned to be dependent. You see, for God's people... There is always purpose in the desert. God never does anything chaotically. God never does anything randomly. God has purpose to everything he does. And so if he he takes us to a desert, there is purpose in the desert. He takes us there to learn. And so we must ask ourselves, what is God trying to teach us in this desert? As God's people, as people who follow Jesus, we have to ask this question, What is God trying to teach us during this quarantine? What is God trying to teach us during this crazy time in our history? It took those those Hebrew people 40 years to figure this out because they didn't ask this question. It takes great humility to ask this question, and they didn't ask it for a long, long time. And so they had to wander in that desert for 40 years. What is God trying to teach us as human beings, as Americans? as artisans. Most importantly, what is God trying to teach us as people who love him and follow him? What's God trying to teach us during this desert? See, we don't ask this question because we want out of the desert. When you're in a desert, you want out, and that's what you focus on. Get me out of the desert. See, we want to get out of the desert, but God wants us to get something out of the desert. He wants us to discover that purpose. He wants us to ask those questions. Why are we here and what do I need to learn? He wants us to get something out of this time. I don't think this is random. I don't think this is accidental. I don't think this is a chaotic thing that God has allowed. I think there is purpose in this. I think God wants us to get something out of this. The desert don't play. And the desert is no joke. And the desert highlights our need to be dependent. See, you cannot survive and you certainly will not thrive in your desert on your own. 
you need God. So let's make this personal. What does God want you to get out of your desert? Not us, not everybody else, you. What does God want you to get out of this season? What does God want you, you and your family to learn? What does God want you and your community of believers to learn during this time in the desert? God didn't take those people out of the desert for 40 years, but he took care of them while they were in the desert for 40 years. You don't have to be delivered from this desert to be delivered while you're in this desert. God took care of those people every day for 40 years while they were in the desert. I don't know how long this desert's going to last for us, but I do know that God will take care of us every day. We don't have to be taken out of the desert for God to take care of us in the desert. And I believe God will do that. I've been saying this for six weeks, and I'm not going to stop saying it because I think it's the the truth that I need to land on, and it's the truth I want our church to land on. One day, this desert will just be a story that you tell. It will be a story you tell your kids. It will be a story you tell on Facebook. It will be a story you tell. The choices that you're making today are writing the story you'll tell in the future. The attitudes you choose, the behavior you exhibit, the, the stuff you post on the internet, all of that is writing the story that you're going to tell during this season of desert. I have been praying that we would write a story worth remembering and that we would write a story that God would be proud of and that we would write a story of people who even when the world around us was going crazy, we were depending on God. We were looking on God. We weren't focused on all the temporary things. We were focused on the eternal things. And because of that, because we were seeking God's kingdom first, we wrote a story We are writing a story worth remembering and worth telling and that makes God happy. So what's your desert? And what do you need to learn in your desert? And will you depend on God in your desert? And when it's all over, will you be able to tell a story worth remembering about your desert? Let's pray together. Lord God, I don't thank you for this desert, but I thank you that you're here with us. That every step we take, you take with us. That you will provide. That you are faithful. I thank you, Lord God, that there are lessons to be learned. May we learn them quickly and may we learn them profoundly. And then may we be changed by the things you teach us. Help us to find hope and purpose. Most of all, help us to seek you first during this season. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.